Please then turn in your Bibles to Psalm 99 as our scripture reading this morning. The first five verses of this chapter. Psalm Psalm 99, 1 through 5. Following which we'll sing the glory of pottery printed for you in your bulletin. Please stand for the reading of God's holy word. The Lord reigns, let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim, let the earth shake. Great is the Lord in Zion, he is exalted over all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. The king is mighty, he loves justice. You have established equity. In Jacob, you have done what is just and right. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. And God will add his blessing to this reading of his word. Amen. The Heidelberg Catechism has been helping us think through what is our sin and misery and how we may be delivered from that sin and misery and now how we may show our gratitude for God's deliverance from that sin and misery, working our way through the whole subject of prayer and considering uh, Jesus teaching us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. And there are six petitions in the Lord's Prayer. After the preface, our Father who art in heaven, there are six petitions, and you can group them in two groups of three. Uh, The first three petitions are all regarding the glory of God. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and your will be done. And the second three are related to your needs. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And today we begin with the first petition, which is the greatest prayer that a Christian can make. Uh, It's the prayer of highest priority in the life of the Christian. It's not that the Christian can't pray for other things, but the most important prayer that you can offer beyond beyond all others is this petition. And um, it's something for us to think about. It's a life-transforming request. And I'd like to read to you from several different authors as they they reflect on this before we get into the the specific request itself. The first comes from Paul Tripp in a devotional entitled New Morning Mercies. And he writes, sadly, prayer for many of us has been shrunk to an agenda that is little better, a little bigger than asking God for stuff. It has become that spiritual place where we ask God to sign our personal wish lists. For many, it's a little more than a repeated cycle of requesting, followed by waiting to see if God in fact comes through. If he does, we celebrate his faithfulness and love. But if he doesn't, we not only wonder if he cares, we also are tempted to wonder if he's there. In this way, prayer often amounts to shopping at the Trinitarian department store for things that you have told yourself you need with the hope that they'll be free. 
But consider the Lord's Prayer for a moment. It doesn't look anything like that. This prayer is a prayer of worship and surrender. When we pray, hallowed be your name, we surrender ourselves to the agenda of agendas. It's the reason the the world was made. It's why you and I were created. It was all brought into being so that God would get the glory that he is due. Here I let go of all the other glories that may lay claim to my wandering heart. Here I find my motivation for all that I do. Here I cry out for rescuing grace for my disloyal heart. It's a transforming request. Uh, Kevin DeYoung has a parallel kind of series of thoughts. Few of us have probably stopped to think what radical reorientation flows from this first petition. By putting hallowed be your name first, Jesus would have us understand that the point of prayer is God's glory. Yes, we may legitimately ask for other things, but our overriding concern is for the fame of God's name. G.I. Williamson, he follows along with that. He uh, greatly blessed his church, the God's church. G.I. went to be with the Lord this week. <clears throat> but he prays, or he, he talks about this prayer as in, in understanding this request is helping us to appreciate why our prayers are often so shallow and ineffective. <clears throat> he writes, if we pray this petition with intelligence and sincerity, we begin to desire that which is dearest to him. And it's here that we begin to see the radical difference between true prayer prayer according to the pattern of this prayer of our Lord, and the false. People will sometimes complain that they prayed and prayed and God did not answer. But what was central in that prayer? It was the desire that God should conform to the request expressed. What What other reason could there be for saying that God did not answer? We pray for the things we want instead of asking that which is to the honor of his name. Here we see why so much prayer is ineffective, but what a difference it makes when a person learns to truly desire above all else the honor and glory of the Lord. When a person can say, Lord, your honor comes first, and I want you to do whatever will bring honor to your name, and I ask only that 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 which is to this end, what a difference it will make. David Brainerd was a missionary to the American Indians in the early years uh, of our country, in the 18th, early 18th century. <clears throat> a son-in-law of Jonathan Edwards died very young uh, because of tuberculosis. And he has a, a book, The Diary of David Brainerd. It's a wonderful read if you have the opportunity to get a hold of the book and read it. <clears throat> very godly man. Uh, but, but he writes... My heaven is to please God and to glorify him and give all to him and to be wholly devoted to his glory. That is the heaven I long for. That is my religion and that is my happiness and always was, I suppose, ever since I had any true religion. And all those that are of that religion shall meet me in heaven. I do not go to heaven to be advanced but to give honor to God. 
Well, we come to this first petition, hallowed be your name. The statement of it is pretty simple, simple. <clears throat> but what is it that we're praying for? The Heidelberg Catechism here goes through a number of different things. Uh, our shorter catechism and larger catechism expand on that. But perhaps the simplest answer is in our children's catechism. Uh, what do we pray for in the first petition? We did this in Sunday school today. <clears throat> that God's name might be honored by us and all men. It's a simple answer, but it's extremely important. But as we think about this prayer request, hallowed be your name, it brings us to the thought of what's in a name. What is the significance of the name? Uh, what does it communicate? What's important about that? Parents usually reflect on, sometimes agonize, what are they going to name their child when their child is born? Perhaps they use a family name. They might use a name that has some significance or meaning. Uh, they, um, but they, they, they carefully think about that. And most parents are <clears throat> decent and give their name, children names that are, that are okay. Uh, there was an article in our Tyler paper some years ago about a woman in Houston. Uh, excuse me, she was an idiot. Um, <clears throat> who gave her child a name that was more than a thousand letters. And it was a stringing together of a uh, hundred shorter names, uh, several fam names of family members, the names of several countries, cities, cars, titles of movies. And it was completely <clears throat> unpronounceable. And her nickname was James Shawanel. At any rate, uh, that name did no good to that child. <clears throat> but when we think about names in the Bible, they, they have significance. They often have significant meaning. Abram, the exalted father. <clears throat> Abraham, father of a multitude. Jacob, the name of his uh, sinful self, heel grabber, the deceitful one. Uh, his name his re of his redeemed self, Israel, prince with God. The children of Hosea in Hosea 1 and 2 had very significant names that bore, had uh, significance for the future of Israel and the Gentiles. <clears throat> One of my favorite names in the Bible is this, one of the sons of Isaiah, Maher Shalal Hashbaz. It means swift to, swift to plunder, swift to spoil. And I have thought that would be a good name for some of the little boys that I have known. <clears throat> but what's in a name? Particularly what's in God's name? It's more than a label that identifies who the person is. <clears throat> it communicates something about the person. God's name expresses his uh, character, who he is. Uh, the psalmist in Psalm 8 says, O Lord, our Lord, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And we think of some of the names of God that come to our mind, Yahweh, uh, Adonai, Elohim, some of the other various names of God, El Shaddai, names that communicate significance, character of God. Some of the New Testament names, <clears throat> Lord God and Lord Christ, 
Jesus. Names that communicate something very significant about his person. And our attitude to and use of the name of God is extremely important. And we know it's important to God because, as we looked at it some weeks ago, God gave us a, a moral law, a commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. That's the negative. That's what you are not to do. And we reflected on part of what that meant. Here, in a sense, is the positive uh, reflection of that. Now, don't misuse his name, <clears throat> but you pray, Lord, may your name be holy. May it be, may it be hallowed. Uh, what are we praying for when we pray, hallowed be your name? Well, we're praying that God's name might be respected, might be honored, uh, might be lifted high, might appear greater in our own view. We cannot make God greater than he is. We cannot make God's name greater than it is. But we can, in prayer and reflection and understanding, <clears throat> make our view of God's name greater than it is. It's like using a magnifying glass. When you use it to um, enlarge something, well, you're not making the object bigger. The object remains the same size, but you're enlarging your understanding of it. You're enlarging your view of it. So when we pray, Father, hallowed be your name, we are asking God's name to be enlarged in our thinking. That the character and glory of God would be enlarged in our understanding and would fill our minds and our hearts. It would demonstrate, as Thomas Watson says, that we desire this before all else. <clears throat> that it's the most important thing to us. Uh, and appreciating him and all that, he, the, all that he is is part of hallowing and honoring God's name. And it's part of the significance of this prayer. We want it to be honored above all else. Before forgiveness, before daily bread, before not being delivered into temptation. We want God's name to be honored above all else, before all else. Uh, in the larger catechism, some of the things that it spells out that we are asking God to do in this particular petition, uh, it divides it up into two categories, what we're asking God to do and what we want him to not do. But we're praying that by his grace, he would enable and incline us and others to know and to acknowledge and to highly esteem, highly esteem God uh, in his person, in his titles, in his attributes, in his ordinances, in his word, in his works. In whatever way he's pleased to reveal himself and by his grace enable us <clears throat> and help us uh, to glorify him in our thoughts, words, and deeds. Uh, turn to Psalm 83. As 
So we look at the, a few things the psalmist says <clears throat> related to the name of God. We could go to almost any page in Scripture and think about how the name of God is to be exalted. But in Psalm 83, verse uh, 18, the conclusion of this psalm, Speaking of what he prays for other men to know, let them know that you whose name is the Lord, that you alone are the most high over all the earth. His name is the Lord, Yahweh. He's the most high over all the earth. We want God's name to be honored by us and all men. And then turn over to Psalm 86, verse 10. Psalm 86, verse 10. For you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord, with my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. For great is your love towards me. You have delivered me from the depths of the grave. You have this desire of the psalmist to know and being able to glorify God for all the goodness that he has poured out into his life, his life. Uh, The writer in, in Psalm 19, he doesn't use the word name, but he let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's the psalmist's desire that everything that he thinks and does and says would glorify and honor God and exalt him. And this is what we're praying for in part when we pray, hallowed be your name. It's not our comfort. Uh, even though God says, cast all your care upon me because I care for you, he tells you to bring those things to him. But your greatest desire is for the honor and glory of God. The larger catechism uh, in sort of the Anna or or another side to this, it says, uh, we pray also that God would prevent and remove atheism, ignorance, idolatry, profaneness, and whatever is dishonorable to him. God is worthy of all glory and honor. Uh, He's worthy to receive glory and honor and power and to be exalted. Uh, Turn to Romans 11, uh, chapter, verse 33, excuse me, Romans 11, 33. As Paul concludes this chapter, having reflected on uh, the work of God, he, he gives a doxology of, of glory to the Lord, which helps us, by, by focusing on this, helps us appreciate the glory and honor of God. So Romans 11, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him 
and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So here Paul highlights the tremendous glory of our God in his wisdom, in his sovereign purposes, in his mind. We can't give to God, but he gives to us. And it's the glory of God that we're praying for when we pray this first petition. So why is it the greatest prayer that a Christian can pray? I've given you some, but let me list them in this way. There are five things about this prayer request that I think enhance it as our greatest prayer, among maybe other things you could think of. The first is simply that it's built on the foundation of God's character and his name. When we come to be gripped with the reality of God's name and his holiness and his righteousness and his glory that's all wrapped up in his name, our prayer is built on the foundation of the truth of that name. What greater name is there? What greater person is there? There is none greater in all the universe than our God. And so how can it not be the greatest prayer that we could make that that name that forms the foundation of our praying be exalted? The second thing is, well, Jesus tells us to pray this. Now, that's kind of a given. That's one of those, duh, of course, it's important because Jesus told us to pray that. When he says, I want you to pray like this, your first petition is, before anything else, is hallowed be your name. Obviously, it would be significant for our praying because Jesus told us to pray this way. A third idea is that Jesus prayed this prayer. Not only did he teach us to pray this prayer, but he himself prayed this prayer. Turn to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 27. Jesus is nearing the end of his life and he's just been telling his disciples about his coming death. that the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, and that means for him to die. But he picks it up in verse 27. Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. And then he prays, Father, glorify your name. Father, hallowed be your name. This is Jesus' own prayer. And the Father answers from heaven. A voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. I have hallowed it, and I will hallow it again. He's already hallowed it in the life and ministry of Christ, and he will hallow it again in the redemptive work of Christ on the cross. But it's Jesus' own prayer. The Son of God prayed this prayer. How can we not pray this prayer? It's the greatest prayer that we can offer. A fourth thought about this is it's the chief goal of the Christian life. It's the highest ambition that we can have in our Christian life. 
<clears throat> as some of the writers I wrote earlier, read earlier, you know, the, the, it's why God created us, why he created the world. In our shorter catechism, we ask the question, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's why you're here. That's the purpose for your life. Whatever career, whatever path your life takes in other ways, your primary goal and purpose here is to glorify God. Uh, Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. In the most mundane things of your life, eating and drinking, just the common affairs of your life, you are to glorify God in those. And the fifth thing, the last thing that I'll mention is, it's the only prayer that you'll offer forever. Uh, The day will come, you won't pray your kingdom come. Because it'll be here. You'll be in it forever and ever. The day will come when you will not pray any longer, your will be done. Because it will be being done. You'll delight to do that will. And everyone around you will be doing that will. There will be a day coming when you won't pray, give us this day our daily bread. Because you'll have wonderful abundance in front of you all the time. Uh, There's a day coming when you won't say, uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Because your debt will have already been taken care of. And no one around you will be sinning against you. Isn't that a wonderful thing? And you won't be sinning against them. Your debts will be taken care of. You won't ever pray that prayer again. And their day is coming when you will not need to pray again. <clears throat> deliver, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Because there will be no evil. There will be none there for you to be led into. All the prayers that we offer will one day, will end. But the one prayer you will never quit praying for all eternity is hallowed be your name. That will be our desire forever. We'll be crying out for God's name to be honored and and we'll delight in honoring it. Makes it the greatest prayer that we could possibly pray because it'll last forever. This first petition teaches us our own weakness. Teaches us, it redefines our priorities in life. Again, it's not that we can't cry out to God in our agony and pray for his deliverance. He calls on us to do that. But ultimately, ultimately the prayer is for God to be glorified in whatever is being accomplished in our lives. It's the greatest prayer that we can pray. 
One of the great instruments of, of God in, in his church in the uh, 18th century, in the time of the Great Awakening, was George Whitfield. A marvelously used of God to preach the gospel and, and uh, draw many to Christ, a powerful preacher. Sometimes maybe he's a little overlooked. He has no church. He has no denomination named after him. And what's interesting in his later life, some of his, his friends had said, you know, George, you need to start a denomination. You need to uh, uh, put your name on something to show that you were here. They need to know your name. And Whitfield's response to his friends was, let the name of Whitfield perish, but to let the name of Christ be glorified. That was his passion. That's our passion. Should be our passion. Desire that. We come into the presence of God as a community of faith to Father who we love and who loves us. And we reverence and we pray the greatest prayer, hallowed be your name. May you and I pray in this way and then we can say that we have truly and surely prayed. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the instruction in this passage and in this prayer and in this thought of this wonderful prayer. And Father, we ask that you would help us to learn more about what it means, that you would continually reveal yourself to us in your word. Help us to grasp the immensity of your character and your love. And that as we go through the challenges of our life, we may have this desire above all else, that your name would be honored and glorified. Help us to follow that path and offer this prayer, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.